0: Welcome to Technology Transfer IP. Technology transfer is the process by which valuable research, skills, knowledge, and technology developed by educational institutions is transferred to industry for development into products and services that will benefit society. From basic patent licensing to promoting startups, entrepreneurship, and industry collaborations while also investing in and managing technology developments. We bring you conversations with the leaders in technology transfer, who will share their stories, including their successes, challenges, and expectations for the future. Here's your host, Lisa Mueller. Hello and
1: welcome. Today, I have the pleasure of speaking with Dr. Michael Moore. Mike is the director of the Office of Innovation Commercialization at Augusta University, Prior to his time at Augusta, Mike was the Director of Licensing and Life Sciences for almost 17 years at Northwestern University. Mike has a BS in biochemistry from the University of Illinois at Urbana-Champaign and an MS and PhD in biochemistry from the University of California, San Diego. And with that impressive background, welcome to the podcast, Mike.
2: Thanks, Lisa. It's great to be here.
1: Well, thanks so much again, Mike, for taking part in the podcast. It's really great to have you here. And I generally like to start the podcast off by asking my guests about their journey to tech transfer. Can you tell us a little bit about your background and how you ended up in Augusta?
2: Sure. Um, Usually I I tell people I ended up in tech transfer as a condition of parole, (laughs) uh, a sentence to 15 to 20 years in tech transfer. Um, But I think myself, like others, uh, finishing up grad school, looking for what to do next, I was kind of looking to explore other options besides doing work at a bench. And there was a book that I bought called Alternative Careers for Scientists. Each chapter was written by different scientists working in a different area. Some were writers or editors, some worked in the investment world. Um, and one chapter was written by someone who was in tech transfer. So I never uh, was familiar with tech transfer until reading that uh, chapter of the book. And so this is 2003, 2004. And so with that in mind, having a, a kind of an objective for something to explore, I ended up getting a job in a way that no one finds jobs by just cold writing different tech transfer offices. Wow. Wow. Um, and it so happened that at Northwestern, uh, three years prior, they had created a new position called the licensing assistant. And the licensing assistant was someone who had a technical background but didn't have any of the IP or contract uh, experience that a, a tech transfer person would. And my letter arrived around the same time as one of their first hires leaving, and um, it also mimicked the kind of cover letter my boss wrote when she got the job, which was, this sounds interesting, but I don't have any experience. (laughs) And so I think that that uh, connection gave me a hook. My resume came in at the right time. And uh, the rest is history in terms of getting into Northwestern. And over the 17 years I was there, I had kind of grown for that position. Um, Four years ago, they did a bit of a restructure. And that's when I had gotten my last title, which was uh, Director of Licensing and Life Sciences where I oversaw a team of five folks uh, managing the life science portfolio.
1: So Mike, for those of our listeners who are not familiar with the Office of Innovation Commercialization at Augusta, can you tell us a little bit more about it?
2: Yeah, well, and if if I can maybe just expand a little bit on that prior answer, how I ended up here, um, and then I'll kind of segue was, uh, you know, having been at the same institution, learning at the same place, learning a lot in the same place, I was kind of looking to, uh, test that knowledge that I learned in a different environment, and so I, I looked for something that was very different. So, from going from a large private research institution to a smaller public one, and uh, in part was uh, professional interest, but also personal, just to explore a new area that I wasn't familiar with. So, I ended um, started here at Augusta on June first. And before we talk about the office itself, I don't know how many people are familiar with the university. Um, it's a university that I wasn't on the tip of my tongue in, in recent years. So the Augusta University, as it's known today, came into existence in 2013. The, the state of Georgia was doing a bunch of mergers of campuses. And so the Medical College of Georgia was merged with Augusta State University, a traditional undergraduate institution. And and both of those institutions had long histories. Medical College of Georgia founded in 1828. And so now you have the Augusta University of today, which is a fascinating place. It uh, has the only public medical school in Georgia. Uh, By student population, it's one of the largest medical schools in the country. We also have the only dental school in the state of Georgia. And we have a nursing school. So it has a a wide range of things that are um, unique to this university. And then the Office of Innovation and Commercialization is uh, our tech transfer office that is here to to serve the innovators of that community.
1: That's really fascinating, Mike. And thanks for sharing that history about Augusta. And it it sounds like there's a tremendous amount going on there. And in fact, I know that you have a life science business development center at Augusta and It'd be interesting to learn more about this biobusiness incubator. Could you share a little bit about that with us?
2: Absolutely, and I have to say that was a real pleasant surprise about Augusta because it seemed very unique for such a small research institution. So the building that we're in was built in 2004, and we have an incubator space of 14,000 square feet, wet lab space, big enough to house five startup companies, Our office is co-located in that space, and this space was purpose-built to be an incubator for the tech transfer office to be together. And it was funded, which which I also find interesting, with money the state received through settlements with the tobacco industry. So I think that's a great way that some of that money was spent, and the foresight 17 years ago to say let's put these two groups together. And I think a lot of universities, or if you're looking to foster entrepreneurship, space is at a premium. And so we have a situation here where we've got lab space. And if you're an innovator here at the university, you don't even have to move your car to go (laughs) from your lab to your incubator space. And I think that's a real asset to what we bring here at Augusta. That's really
1: interesting. Now, I wanted to turn back and talk about your Office of Innovation and Commercialization a little bit more detail. Can you tell us how it's structured
2: Sure. And this has uh, definitely been a change for me, having come from a larger office, to the smaller office. Uh, my role as director of technology transfer, I report to the associate vice president of innovation. And our shop in total, if you include our AVP, is six people. Uh, we have one tech transfer professional that reports to me, as well as our office is responsible for agreements like MTAs, data use agreements, and all the CDAs for the entire university. We have uh, an office uh, administrator who uh, not only works with our office, but is very involved with the incubator. So our office oversees that incubator space. And then we have someone that's a um, kind of our business manager that takes care of it's probably easier to say that she takes care of everything with the vast number of responsibilities with, you know, whether it's paying bills, government compliance, docketing, interacting with uh, all the law firms, it's uh, a lot of work on, on one individual.
1: So it sounds like you guys are a smaller office, but certainly mighty in terms of all the things that you guys are all doing. You're all wearing multiple hats, it sounds like.
2: Absolutely. I think being collaborative, not Feeling like, you know, this is my lane. I'm going to stay in it in order for us to function properly. I think we have to work in a way that's going to alleviate whatever pressures are on each other. And we're going to have to be creative if we are going to want to serve this community the same way a larger office would serve their community.
1: Yeah, absolutely. And I'm curious, um, given your size and given you have a medical school and a dental school and all these other things, I, I think it'd be interesting if you wouldn't mind sharing with us maybe some of your metrics in terms of invention disclosures, patent filings, um, licensing revenue, things like that within the last year or so.
2: Sure. So our looking back uh, over the last several years, I'd say we're getting roughly in the 40s of uh, invention disclosures a year. A high year might be 50 uh, out of those in a typical year, we're filing maybe 30 to 40 patent applications, 15 of those provisionals, uh, and doing about, um, you know, 10, 10 licenses or so a year.
1: I'd be curious just to ask, has COVID impacted your numbers? I mean, that that has been an issue. I've seen that in a lot of offices where there's been a reduction and in, um, particularly invention disclosures and patent filings. Have you noticed something similar to that?
2: I think that over the last year, it seemed still fairly robust. Um, That's maybe great. a little bit of a drop-off, but nothing dramatic. Uh, and I will say, folks back here at the university were, even in the tech transfer office, were back in their office uh, fairly early last year.
1: So switching gears a little bit, Mike, I wanted to ask you what you think is most important in managing innovations to give them the greatest opportunity for success.
2: Well, yeah, I think that's a, a great question. And, and maybe I have more of a, a qualitative answer than something that's uh, you know, by the numbers. But at least based upon my experience and having the good fortune of working with some innovators over many years, I think it's really the relationship that you can build with your innovators, building trust uh, so that they see that you're on their side, you're their advocate. So many of these roads are, are hard to navigate. You know, when you have someone who's doing great science that might have a, a theoretical cure for something, but the the IP road is bumpy. Or uh, you know, the business environment, you know, for someone wanting to take a license is, is bumpy. So sometimes you could be the, the bearer of bad news. And if you don't have, uh, I think, a relationship where people trust your perspective and your guidance, it's a lot harder to navigate those roads. And when you do have that, uh, I think it positions that investigator uh, much better to you know, get something licensed. Or even if you take a scenario where you want to coach someone, well, how do you present your science to a different kind of audience? And to say, trust me, we don't need 10 slides of data. We can go with just the one slide and that'll be sufficient so I think that to build those relationships to build that trust, I think is indispensable
1: now Mike, I wanted to ask you about corporate partners and the role they have there in tech transfer at Augusta. Um, can you tell us uh, a little bit about any relationships you have with corporate partners?
2: So that's a great question Lisa and It's one of the challenges I'm looking forward to coming to a smaller institution where I don't know that Big Pharma sees Augusta University as the first stop where they want to have a long term strategic partnership. So one of the things we're doing in this realm, as along with others, is to leverage the relationships we have to work with other organizations that are promoting technologies in the state so that we are a university that people are thinking of. And we're also in a scenario here in Georgia where you have a lot of research activity in Atlanta and we're two hours away in Augusta. So it's important for people to see that we're still out there hustling and trying to move our good technologies forward.
1: Yeah. And I, I think as you do more of that and get out at autumn meetings and things like that, hopefully when we can do those in person, you'll make those contacts. And, and eventually those things, like you said, will we'll come to Augusta. So switching gears again, Mike, I wanted to ask you, uh, reflecting on past license transaction or, and or partnerships, what might you have done differently if you knew then what you know now?
2: Well, fortunately, I don't think I have any horror stories to talk about uh, things that I messed up on. But there are a few things that, that come to mind. And I'm always a little bit worried after the fact uh, with things like, especially like sub-license language. How tight was that language in there? Uh, is someone going to work to avoid paying us something that we feel they owe. We knew what the intention was. Uh, and maybe to a lesser extent, some scenarios where you'd like to, uh, I would have liked to have maybe some tighter performance milestones when you have a company that really isn't moving forward and you want to have a little leverage to say, get your, get your act together. Um, and the other one, it's a little bit more of a curiosity is, you know, for some years, I think universities have been using these terms for an exit fee. Uh, and you have definitions around what that is, and so that's something that, again, similar to sublicense fee. I wonder who's going to examine this language under a microscope and figure out a way to to not have to pay. I hope that doesn't happen, but that's certainly <laughs> something uh, you, you think about when when structuring these agreements.
1: Absolutely. So I wanted to also ask you, Mike, um, and I realize you're new there at Augusta, but um, could you share maybe some of your biggest success stories in terms of successful technologies, startups, things like that?
2: Sure. And, you know, one of the things I thought before coming here to Augusta was to paraphrase uh, Forrest Gump a bit. You know, he said, stupid is as stupid does. And I think good science is as good science does. And so good science can happen anywhere. And so that's been another pleasant surprise that there have been successes here at Augusta, mainly in the therapeutic space. So we've got uh, some great programs in immunotherapy, uh, where we have some, some of our research that is in clinical development. But then all the way down to people doing natural product work where there's a startup company and they actually have products on the market that's generating revenue and it's a nice success story. And in, in some of these cases, these are companies that were started in-house in our incubator space. So that that life cycle is um, great to see. And, and we do have these things, exciting things that are happening in that area.
1: That's awesome. And with success also comes challenges. So I'm I'm curious to know what you think two of your office's biggest challenges are.
2: Yeah. And I don't know that they're unique to our office, but uh, certainly one immediate challenge is uh, turnover. You know, we lost a fantastic person who was doing our MTAs, DUAs, and CDAs, and to try to replicate that expertise is, is going to be a challenge and find the right person that's going to plug in and do the quality work that uh, was getting done. So I think that's uh, certainly one of the an immediate challenge that, that we have. Uh, and then along those lines, uh, as you have an institution that is enthusiastic about growing research, how do we support uh, a growing research enterprise with uh, the with the resources that you have, because I think that the research is going to grow before the support resources do.
1: Yeah, absolutely. Um, and I wanted to, switching gears again, wanted to ask you whether or not Augusta has any programs to help encourage and assist women and other traditionally underrepresented inventors and entrepreneurs. And if so, if you could talk about those in a little bit of detail.
2: Yeah. And this is going to be another example, I think, like uh, trying to find corporate partnerships where as a smaller shop, uh, we do see the value in that. We don't want to have any uh, investigators not being identified and supported. So this is where we try to leverage uh, uh, relationships we have with other organizations, say, like Georgia Bio, that has more formalized programs to to help uh, help. Us progress in in our efforts here on campus.
1: So, I wanted to ask also, Mike, uh, what organizations, things like Autumn LES, are you and your colleagues involved in, and what value do you think they add?
2: Yeah, so there's there's national ones that I think folks are familiar with, like Autumn and LES, uh, where we are members, and, and then there's local uh, organizations. So, there's a, a really cool organization called the Georgia Research Alliance that has funding and actually funds. These high-risk projects, these translational projects, that has um, been a very crucial help to some of these companies that want to get some of that initial funding. Uh, I mentioned already Georgia Bio is another organization that, just in my short time here, I've already gotten uh, plugged into because it's that important in the in the Georgia community. But I do want to emphasize autumn because that has been, I think, a real asset to this office because. Uh, Involvement with autumn is something that's been emphasized here. So folks uh, have been on committees and know people in the larger community. And I think it's really important if you can leverage some of these relationships because that's what I love about tech transfer—is it's such a collaborative community. You can call up anyone, uh, you can get advice. And so even though we're a small shop in Augusta, Georgia, these folks are connected to the wider community. So when I said I'm coming to Augusta, well, folks in the office at Northwestern are like, well, I know so-and-so, I know so-and-so because of their um, involvement in autumn. So I think it's been a, a real asset to, uh, the, to the individuals in the office and the office as a whole.
1: Now, Mike, I wanted to ask you, do you have a view on credentialing, things like the certified licensing professional, the registered technology transfer professional, and whether or not you think having that credentialing makes a difference?
2: That's an interesting question, Lisa, because I'm coming from an environment where I don't know that that was emphasized. And even myself, you know, everything I know is uh, from having done it. So it's, I call it like street knowledge. Um, and so I, I don't know if I'm familiar with, uh, you know, what, if, you know, if I was credentialed in some of these areas or if I was credentialed earlier on in my career, what kind of different path that would have put me on. I will say that. Um, As someone who's been in a tech transfer office for a long time, um, any type of professional development, uh, I I fully support, whether it's internal where you're sharing best practices with your team, you're taking advantage of the free things that are available, whether it's uh, webinars and seminars from law firms. I think all of that is um, really great.
1: Mike, I generally like to close the podcast by asking my guests, if you could have any three wishes granted or a vision realized for your office, what would that be?
2: Oh, that's, um, I want to answer it in a certain way, which the truth will be, I would like a Big Ten football team. <laughs> I would like uh, Portillo's to open up a location here in Augusta. And Georgia can move to Central Time. <laughs>
1: yeah, yeah, no, sorry, Portillo's is staying here in Chicago where I'm at. Sorry, Mike.
2: Uh, so if it had to be something <laughs> a little more Augusta-centric, uh, it, you know, if I'm rubbing a genie's lamp, I would love to have robust funding for translational research. To, to do those experiments, the NIH isn't going to fund uh, to really de-risk some projects. Uh, I'd also love to have a bench of entrepreneurs, experienced folks that I could match up our people with. Uh, both those who are ready to start a company or may have just started a company or just people who are thinking about it to talk to an experienced individual uh, and then finally uh, and I think this alludes to what I had said earlier uh, I would wish for whether it's here at Augusta or whichever university that the faculty see these offices as resources and relationships to build of uh, that there were people that are there to advocate on their behalf to help them make their dreams come true and to not see us as um, some roadblock or uh, people who are just trying to implement some rules on them. So that that, I think those would be my, my three biggest wishes.
1: Those are really three great wishes and good luck getting them implemented there at Augusta. So, Mike, I really can't thank you enough for all your insights and time today. This has been an absolute pleasure. If any of our listeners want to reach out and ask you any questions, where can they reach you?
2: Uh, You can reach me at Mike.more at augusta.edu. I'm happy to uh, talk with anyone who follows up.
1: Great. Well, thank you so much again, Mike. It's been really great to have this opportunity to talk to you.
2: Thank you, Lisa. And I'm just hoping I haven't said anything that will uh, hurt my chance of hosting Jeopardy in the future.
1: (laughs) (laughs)
0: No, I think you're good. (laughs) Thanks again, Mike. Take care. Thank you for listening to Technology Transfer IP. Please visit us online for more resources at techtransferipforum.com. New to Tech Transfer or a seasoned pro? Autumn is the global member organization for tech transfer and is here to help you get connected. Get Smart and Get Ahead. Whether you work in academia, research, government, business development, corporate engagement, or startups, Autumn is dedicated to supporting you through education, advocacy, networking, and promotion. Join and you'll receive 20 free live webinars, as well as meaningful discounts on meetings and courses, insider access to a vast network of colleagues to help you through challenges, and align on new technologies and the university decision makers who license them. Membership is open for 2023. Join us.